0: I had had a vision of her, not to freak anybody out, but I'd had a vision of her standing in our hallway right out here, not long after I'd had my son who was born first. And uh, Mm. I just saw, I saw Ruby standing there at the end of the hallway. She was probably like a seven-year-old around that age. And I just knew that she was coming. The cool thing is I I shared that I wanted to adopt with a birth uh, educator that I was Working with and uh, just like a mom educator. Um, she was a doula and a lovely human, Nancy. And Nancy told me when I made that decision, she's like, Oh, I'm so glad you shared that with me. She's like, I want to tell you about a client that I had one time who tried to uh, um, have a child for a long time and kept having miscarriages and just couldn't you know was destroyed just couldn't couldn't figure out why it wasn't happening and then she decided to adopt and then that there were hits and misses with that and it was just really a hard long process and anyway finally she was matched with a little girl and and it all happened and she was raising the child and when that child was about five i guess she turned to her mom and one day in the kitchen and she just said um i tried really hard to come to you i'm so glad we found each other and when she told me that like it still gives me chills. Oh, I just knew in my heart like I'm doing the right thing and my baby girl's out there she's not born yet but this is my path and this we're souls that are meant to meet somehow and we're going to learn from one another and there's a reason and I just knew and my husband was like okay, he's like sure, let's adopt it. Oh, I have chills. Oh my yeah. god.
1: Jason and
2: Yvonne Lee, wife,
1: husband, father, mother, actors, producers, and seekers, educators. Explorers of Identity.
2: You're listening to Lager Lane Spirits, a delicious podcast where we invite you into our living room for a family spirit symposium. A real talk meeting of the minds over reverent cocktails.
1: Join us as we dive back in time to examine the legacy of our ancestors that have shaped the stories of our shared cultural history. You can find all of our cocktail recipes and show notes on Spirits.com. And, as always, please enjoy. Responsibly.
2: Welcome to episode three of Logger Lane Spirits. This episode is a three-part series where we deep dive into three very different adoption stories to explore the topic of biological identity and origin. Today... We bring you part three of this emotional and intimate exploration.
1: In part one of episode three, we interviewed Hank and Sue Ann Fortner, the founders of a wonderful organization called Adopt Together. In part two, we interviewed Channing Power, a mother who chose to adopt to get you folks up to speed. In part one, I reveal that I learned my birth father was not my birth father, I've held onto that truth of origin for nearly 20 years only through the work I was doing on and the research I was working on on Ancestry.com. That led us to asking the Fortners the big question of how do you maintain truth within the adoption story knowing there are opportunities to do otherwise even at the risk of protecting children? We then asked Channing a similar question knowing she is a mom who adopted a biracial child and is in communication with the birth mother.
2: Please go back to the previous episodes to soak up their endearing stories. In this episode, we hear another perspective. Our friendly Sokol, a white mom, has adopted a black child. Jason and I are both multi ethnic. I'm black and Filipina. Jason is black and German, with a little, little Russian sprinkled in. This conversation of identity is huge to us. Because it is us. Lisa was kind enough to jump into the water with us and chat openly and honestly.
1: Join us for a great discussion and remember to pause here and make this episode's cocktail. The old fashioned, our recipe is in the show notes. Let's begin.
2: Hello, Lisa. Hi, guys. We are so happy that you're here with us, Lisa. Uh, for those of you who are listening, we met Miss Lisa Cole uh, maybe three years ago through the film industry, the independent film world. We just bonded and over how we see the world and how we see art, um, over the stories that she's telling. Yeah. And then we found out later on that uh, you know we both have, were both parents. You have children that you have an adopted child and then all of a sudden once you share that one connection then the world like suddenly slants to the side and then you're like oh
1: and as, as i would so so our audience may or may not know that i was adopted and i often say that uh, adoption elements and adoption stories for me uh, it's a bit of an identity for me so as soon as i hear somebody else is involved who is either adopted or has adopted children uh it, it's an instant connection for for me that goes even further and deeper into uh friendship and so we've touched on some of those subjects and themes in our conversation lisa
0: yeah i appreciate that i'm always up for a good cry so
1: <laughs>
0: we're, we're 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 simpatico that way
2: i think yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so we, we bond with Lisa, for those of you who are listening, because she's a mom, she's a writer, she's a director, she's an advocate, she's a world traveler. And uh, Lisa, could you just take a second to kind of share, you know, as a filmmaker, a few things that you have that you might want to share um, that you're working on in terms of the stories that you're telling?
0: You know, I was actually scared to death of the questions when you sent them over. And then I decided, no, I need to lean into them because there's a reason that i'm afraid afraid of them and it it, it, to answer your question um i think i write about i didn't know this until i took a run like two years ago and i it just popped into my head one day when i was thinking about the two projects that i was really pushing forward at that time and they were both about strong women but sort of self-made women women that didn't have a lot of resources or opportunities but were still um forging a path ahead in spite of like great obstacles and i write about neglect in the world in which they live and i realized that i had never connected those dots until just a few years ago in that moment and it's about overcoming that neglect and sort of shining a light on it and also asking a lot larger question of society and our community and our world like hey you know what are we doing about this and what do you all think about this because it needs we need to nurture we need to nurture these corners of the world that I'm trying to shine a light upon. So, That's yeah.
2: beautiful. That, that wasn't very
0: specific, but in generalities, yeah. like that's what came to my heart and mind right now. Yeah, I
2: feel like uh, oh, as we've discussed things, that's at the heart of it. And what's so beautiful about artists coming together and then sharing that kind of passion, but then also sharing a lot of personal aspects, as we yeah. talked about in the world of of adoption.
1: We have that shared passion of 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 telling these stories uh we call them at Lager Lane through uh, we call them uncommon stories, intimate stories, personal stories that don't often get that light shined mm-hmm. on and and uh you had referenced in a conversation we had a couple of days ago about call it a docu drama, right? Like the documentary world colliding into oh, uh, docu fiction. World. Yeah. Docu fiction. Thank you. Yeah. And 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 I think there's a, a very strong element of truth to be uh to be explored, emotional truth to be explored i call it kind of existentialism right like it's where where nothing outwardly happens but everything inwardly is changing Mm
0: -hmm. and that can shift the outward too for sure you know the inward momentum and perspective or change definitely uh alters the outward eventually or sometimes cat you know cataclysmically or just like important, you know, it, it can have a really positive change. Um, it can be huge or it can be minute.
1: Yes. And the the, the uh, a kind of cataclysmic cha- uh, uh, change emotionally and otherwise can go into what we're exploring in this episode uh, personally. And I think this is a good time before we get into the questions. So
2: we've set ourselves up. Are you <laughs> yeah. ready? Log relain, but, spirits cocktail we're, confession. We're, dr-
1: we're drinking some old fashions. But and you so you got to uh, have your drink
2: with you, the, though. Yes. Well, you can give a clink. Yes, before we a virtual
1: <laughs> clink here.
0: <laughs> we, clink! I clink to my computer. We, <laughs> 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 nice. This helps. There's a, li- a little liquid truth, right? Or <laughs> sometimes, sometimes
1: when you deep dive into some conversations, uh, a little liquid truth can uh, can can help you uh, can help you get there. But so, are you ready now for your Lager Lane Spirits cocktail confession?
0: Sure, I'm. I'm pretty much an open book, so I'm ready. Let's do it. So, for you personally, what? has been your search for identity. I think it's something that I put off for a really long time. And um like I would just be finishing film school and I was 28 and I I remember just being sad and crying all the time and having this really fun boyfriend who would just say like you cry all the time. <laughs> What's your problem? And I and I I didn't I didn't dare really try to examine it at the time. And I also didn't feel like I had um, maybe the resources to to fully help me examine it. And I was just busy like surviving and and, and treading water to stay, to keep above water and, and to make it in the industry and to live on my own in LA without any real foundation, mm. parental support and whatnot. And so, you know, and so it's been a really long sort of circuitous road for me. And I've done like gobs of therapy and different types of, you know, journaling and the artist way and all these different routes to try to be specific about self. And I think I'm starting to realize that I feel more comfortable um, sort of unpacking those things or making connections with self in the projects that I'm writing. So I turn to share other women's stories. I tend to do that and like really glom on or look for and, you know, pour my passion into other people's stories and to help them come to light. But when I, which I was mentioning about the theme of neglect, when I step back and look at like, well, why what is drawing me to this project in upstate? Or what is drawing me to the project in Northern California that I've been developing for over 10 years? Like, what what are those, you know, what is the why? It's really this long circuitous route to self. And I'm not fully there yet, if I'm completely honest. I mean, whoever is, right? It should be a lifelong journey in discovery, but, yes. but yeah, I'm finally started starting to see more connections and I guess light bulbs going off like little synapses. Is that the right word? Or does that mean a disconnect? Yeah. <laughs> no, synapses, like they're, they're connecting, so they're
2: sparking. And then that creates some kind of light or and, and,
1: reflection. And that is a lifelong journey that we're on. Who said it? If we're the same at, at a certain age that we were when we were younger, then we've wasted some time, right? It should be. And, and moving forward, it's the same thing. We should always check in on ourselves about where we are in any various phase of our life as we move through this and who we are now we'll, we will grow uh, from this place that we're in now to the future and and that's kind of the, the the joy and wonder of life
0: that's the hope and 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 having children makes one if you're aware try to be aware at all you know it, it makes one really want to resolve the unresolved cuz you feel every day like yeah at least I do, like, I'm a loser. I'm losing this, you know, I'm losing this opportunity. I'm not doing it right. It's so hard, the parenting part. Yeah. And I just feel like, oh gosh, I don't wanna fail these two amazing beings that I have the privilege of of sharing life with, but I feel constantly like i'm failing because i feel like oh i'm behind i need to know more about self i need to heal i need to do more work on myself but where's the time so i yeah. throw a lot of yeah. my passion into my projects and i'll be honest while i fully believe in them in and of themselves, like as their own entities if i'm really honest and take a look at it there are selfish reasons too which i'm understanding now which i didn't understand when i started them but the selfish reasons being the quest for self through the art, through the work, through the process, through the connections, through the other person and reflection of myself.
2: Yeah. Well, I always feel, you know, in terms of identity, like I, I feel like, like I've not, I've never been to a therapist, although maybe that's something that I should visit, but I've always felt like the art and like dealing with my children and understanding them and having patience and realizing what my own triggers are because my child is doing it and they know what it is before I do.
1: (laughs) Those
2: kinds of things. Like they've really taught me how to be present. How to be to learn how to be present and yeah. be and be in the moment. I, I still deal with it every day, especially because all my kids all the time, they're like, Mommy, 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 mommy,
1: mommy.
2: <laughs> they get to like the fiftieth mommy and I finally turn my head and say, Did you need something? Yeah.
0: <laughs> what? Oh, they oh don't God. do that
1: with me. <laughs> daddy, they, the, daddy doesn't get the same uh uh uh, repetition uh, that mom that mommy gets yeah. but i i find uh, you know, both in the theater space in theaters whether it's this is the actor in me speaking whether it's performance or whether it's watching a, a film or 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 a tv show i fi- this might sound blasphemous I, I don't mean it as such but i find that to be a holy place you know the, acting 101 is to be there in the moment you know nothing before nothing after you know it's to be it, take it moment by moment and i find that to be very centering. And, and that's what I love about what we do as storytellers, as actors, as, as filmmakers, as, as, as theater practitioners. Yeah.
2: I'm, I'm curious, like, as you just, you talked about like what has been your search for identity and, um, you know, in terms of like, you know, in our kids, I'm learning that my, I need for my children to be able to say who they are to the world rather than the world telling them who they are. You know, I had to learn that, you know, being black and Filipino, um, People might look at me and just say, "Oh, you're black," and but they wouldn't. But they would have a limited understanding, you know, of what black is or what Filipino is or any of those things. So I've, at some point, I had to decide to myself, and this was like when I was in my teens. No, 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 you don't get to tell me who I am. I'm not just. You don't get to say and look at me and say I'm just this black or this, which is very difficult when you're an actor because that's what people see.
1: You know, put in that box. I have
2: to tell other people I'm black and Filipino, and I don't know that my mom really helped me. Come to that. It was something that I had to come to on my own. How does that work for you? I know for Jason, you know, he's, he's has white parents who raised him as a black man. You're, you're a white mom raising your, you know, your black daughter. What is that like for you in terms of going through your own identity and allowing her to arrive at her identity?
0: Yeah. That is kind of, oof, that's where we're, where we're at right now is, and maybe. Maybe we started a little late. She's nine, my daughter, who's adopted. Um, I mean, we've always talked to her about her story and we've shared with her as much as we know, which is very little, you know, like basically nothing. What we do know is only because I i did some digging you know right after she was born and just needed to know something um needed to talk to someone but it was very limited um because of the the circumstances yeah it's that one's hard for me because i am i'm that's what i'm needing to learn and wanting wanting to learn more of is how to give not only my daughter but my son you know the 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 healthy legs to stand upon like the the confidence the self-confidence to stand and say just to stand in their own knowing, you know, this is who I am. Yeah. Um, they don't even have to say it, but just to say, this is who I am. And and I see that they're both really strong. And I and I'm sometimes blown away because at that age, well, I guess it's not surprising given how I was raised. Um, I had very, I mean, my parents loved us, but they were very um, absent. My father literally physically absent, and then my mom just. She could never meet me, you know, she could never meet me. I don't think in, in much of truth. So it left me with this void for knowing. And it's really, uh, really intense. It's like a, it's like a huge cavern <laughs> of of not knowing. So I, I often second guess everything and myself. And so and so I'm being really vulnerable right now, but it's important because you know it is really literally where we we were where we're at right now. My husband and I both have such busy lives that it's there's not a lot of time to sit around and and talk about these things and how to support yeah. your kids and um, and for self reflection. But my daughter, being you know black in a, in a white family, I mean it's so important. And COVID has not been kind to that scenario in terms of creating more mirrors and doors for her um because already right. our our scope for her to have those reflections wasn't as wide as it could be or should be yeah. and we were working on that and then it's like covid shut the gates on that you know yeah i don't know if that answers your question because we're really working through it i don't have all the answers and i'm yeah i'm seeking seeking that. Seeking those answers and moving, trying right. to figure out the best path forward to, to to give them the things that I didn't have, you know, uh-huh. that confidence and standing in their knowing. Yeah, because it's—I mean, this world is—I don't need to tell you—it's not a kind place, you know. Thank God there are lots right. of kind people, but man, it's sometimes feels like there's just as many who aren't so kind as as kind. Yeah, sucky because. <laughs> You know, you'd like to think, Oh, it's the minority, but I don't I don't know anymore. I just don't know.
1: I appreciate your vulnerability and your honesty. I it lands on me heavily because my adopted parents are are no longer with us. I was adopted in the early seventies. I wish I could go back and I mean, I was a I was born in, in Nebraska and raised in around the Midwest in the in the early seventies by, by a white family who my dad was born in Albert Lee, Minnesota. My mom was born in Des Moines, Iowa. And I wish, and we lived in places like Decatur, Illinois and Galesburg, Illinois, and I wish I could go back and ask them what that was like, because as much as things have changed and we have Kamala Harris in the, in the VP office and we had Obama, I am certain that not much has changed nationwide with the recent political events surrounding us. And so I do think that this is also another lifelong exploration that we are all on.
0: Can I really say one, one quick thing about that? I was just going to say that my mom literally would say to me, you don't know me. And somehow it was like a defense for her, a defensive place. But you know, after she died, I realized I don't really, she died uh, a little bit early from, from dementia, unfortunately. And, um, that is just the cruelest thing you could say to your child. And, you know, and so I'm working really hard on making sure, even though I'm I screw up and I'm f- totally fallible. And <laughs> I have so much to learn as a parent. It brings you to your knees, my knees every day anyway. But like, I just want them to know, look, so I'm sometimes like, I'm, I'm just sorry, you know, I'm human, we're human, we make big mistakes, we make stupid mistakes. And, you know, I'm hoping that just by trying to be more transparent and honest with them, that uh, that they won't feel like, that they'll find themselves better
1: every parent out there has that, that fear, right? Like, it's like, we could attempt it. We could be, we could be the best parent on earth, right? We're still going to mess up. We're still going to make mistakes. You know, there's no such thing as being the best parent on earth, right? Like Mm -hmm. there's, there's, you could, you could be there all the time for your kids, but you can't. And so there's, you know, whatever is, you know, we we were shaped by the forces that raised us. Our kids are going to be shaped. All of our kids are going to be shaped by the forces that raised them. How old was your daughter when you, if you don't mind me asking, when you, you and your husband adopted,
0: yeah, she was three days old.
1: Wow!
2: Safe surrender,
0: right? Yes, so we waited, um, well, from the time we started the process to the day we got the call, we waited about two, it was about two year a two-year journey. Oh, wow. I had had a vision of her, not to freak anybody out, but I'd had a vision of her standing in our hallway right out here, not long after I'd had my son who was born first, and uh, mm. I just saw I saw Ruby standing there at the end of the hallway. She was probably like a seven-year-old around that age. And I just knew that she was coming. The cool thing is I I shared that I wanted to adopt with a birth uh, educator that I was working with. And uh, just like a mom educator, Um, she was a doula and a lovely human, Nancy. And. Nancy told me when I made that decision, she's like, Oh, I'm so glad you shared that with me. She's like, I want to tell you about a client that I had one time who tried to uh, um, have a child for a long time and kept having miscarriages and just couldn't, you know, was destroyed, just couldn't, couldn't figure out why it wasn't happening. And then she decided to adopt. And then that there were hits and misses with that. And it was just really a hard, long process. And anyway, finally, she was matched with a little girl and, and it all happened. And she was raising the child. And when that child was about five I guess she turned to her mom and one day in the kitchen and she just said um I tried really hard to come to you I'm so glad we found each other and when she told me that like it still gives me chills oh I just knew in my heart like I'm doing the right thing and my baby girl's out there she's not born yet but this is my path and this we're souls that are meant to meet somehow and we're gonna learn from one another and there's a reason and I just knew and my husband was like okay. He's like, sure, let's adopt it. I have chills. Oh my God. I love, I loved sharing that story with people who are interested in adopting, because if you look at it that way, you know, it's, it's encouraging. And anyway,
1: it's It's about,
2: about souls connecting to each other rather than the actual, there's the human way that we, you know, coming through your body. But then part of that is just, it's just one road to souls connecting to each other. It's one path.
1: My adopted mother always told the story, rest in peace, Um, she always told the story about how it was several weeks, I too was adopted young, I was about, not not as young, but I was about six months old. And she told this, she always told the story about the time where uh, I finally unclenched my fists and grabbed her finger and held her hand. And she would tell that story time and time again. I, I can think of no greater selfless move than bringing in an infant in the, in the pure innocence of all of that and raising that child as the wrong.
0: I can appreciate that. That sentiment reminds me of the time I, and it's not the same. Please don't take this the wrong way. But when I took Ruby home, to Arkansas for the first time when she was still an infant. She was six months old, maybe a year. I remember being in McLeod's barbecue because that's where everybody, it's like Clinton's hangout and, we, and everyone went there, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't eat meat now, but I used to, whatever. And we were there and this this older white woman stopped me, like I was walking by with Ruby in the sling, you know? And she stopped me and she reached out and she was like, oh, honey, you're doing such a good thing for that little girl, you know? And I was like, thanks, yeah. Yeah. I just reject that, you know.
2: Sure.
0: And I feel like Ruby, uh, she's just had a special journey. And going back to what you were saying about clenching your birth mother's finger, Mm -hmm. the thing about Ruby is, yes, she did that. And I did things to kind of really try to instill our bonding. I don't know if this is TMI, but I nursed her, you know, and I worked really hard at it. And you had to wear these little flasks around your neck Mm -hmm. (laughs) filled with breast milk that I would pump or get donated, which is a whole other crazy story I can tell you about the women that donated for her, um, including this amazing, beautiful actress (laughs) who's like super famous. It's so crazy. The Rubies just had this blessed story. But like, Uh but the point to all that is from day one, my little girl, she comforted herself, you know, and I have this picture of her. She's only three weeks old. I'll have to show it to you sometime. But she's she's. She holds herself, you know, uh-huh. and she she never, like, sucked her thumb or anything, but she just held on and had this sense of self from the beginning. And, um, and not that she doesn't need us, because she, of course, does, and I don't want to, you know, play into some notion that, like, she has to be a strong black woman because I want her to feel like she can be that, but also crumble or fall apart and lean on Mm -hmm. us when she needs, you know, but boy, she leans on herself a lot. And, um, and sometimes it it hurts because I want her to need me or want me more, but there's something deep inside of her that she knows. And she'll tell me you're not my real mom. (laughs) And, uh, and we have lots of conversations about that because I can't let it hurt me because it's not about me you know i have to like set the 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 child the the wounds from my childhood back and like just try to help her That's also part of her it sounds like to me that that's part of her identity she's trying to figure
2: that part out
0: and to feel safe at least she feels safe enough to tell us that you know i look at it i try to look at it that way that she's expressing herself and really strongly a lot of times and I don't think it's a test, but I, I I know that it's important how I absorb it and how I respond. You know, mm-hmm. so yeah. I'm trying to be more and more aware of that, so that it doesn't trigger things in me, um, and that I can just try to respond with a place of holding for her and love. Like that's the ideal response, right? And I and I and I try. Yeah, this
1: is a fa- this is fascinating for me to hear this because it's uh, coming from the uh, because I was adopted, right? And 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 I know it's a two way street. Right. Like I know I I benefited from the family that raised me and I know they've benefited from me being around. I I, I know that for a fact. It's just a a very interesting conversation. And it leads me into our second question. How do you maintain truth within your multitude of adoption stories when there is so much opportunity to create stories that are meant to protect others?
0: Again, I just have to go back to... uh kind of related to the first question in the sense that um, I had an absent father for myself who who really kind of was notorious for white lies, you know, but white lies as a child can be really huge because when you're standing in front of someone who's telling you a lie, even if it's a small one and they're your parent and you know it, it's just there's this disconnect where I drop myself, you know, like because I can't. Column on it and I can't make sense of it. And it just this, like, I fall into this void of like not knowing, you know, like, wait, wait, what? I can 100% relate to you,
2: Lisa, in that sense, in terms of the absence of dad. So, but keep going.
0: Yeah. And then, and then a mom who was withholding and absent in another way, you know, um, and, and, and not, not always a fault of her own because she was a single mom and, and really struggling and It's a crazy story i won't tell you all of it but like she became a born-again christian when we were living in california and we moved to arkansas when i was 10 because she got married to a pastor who she'd known for two months and we picked up and moved across the country and lived in a little podunk town of 400 where literally the church that he wanted to be part of was speaking in tongues and like it was crazy it was crazy but my mom thought it was the lord's will and yeah, I'm gonna definitely write about that one of these days. So that's my backstory and I don't wanna bring that, I try not to, I do carry it into my parenting, unfortunately, you know, like, and I and I know that I'm really good at, at providing for my children in a concrete sense. I got a house, you know, I got a roof over their heads. I have help with a babysitter when we, when we need it sometimes. I, I provide, they have shoes that fit them. I'm like, right. you got soccer going on, like you got it going on. But the emotional stuff is where I'm always challenged to like really step in yeah. and because and, I'm much better at the other things. And, and not that. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, but I'm how do I. So all of that leads to like when you want to protect someone, I just don't think I don't think it does them any either of my kids any service to like pretend or to not like with Ruby she wants to know her truth she wants to know you know her story and I know I'm taking this question literally but I I don't I don't know how else to answer it but I I, from the time that she was I think I shared with you the other day from the time she was an infant I remember carrying her through the library and we were entering a bathroom and an an African-American woman was walking out as we were walking in and Ruby craned her neck you know and just stared and I was like she knows Mm -hmm. that she's not of me, you know? She's. I tell her she has a tummy mommy and a heart mommy, and I try to be the heart mommy, but she does have a tummy mommy, and it's important to acknowledge and it's important to tell her what we know of her story, which unfortunately I thought at the time doing a safe surrender where it's an anonymous program, I thought that's a blessing, that's great. You know, there's going to be less chance for someone to come out of the woodworks and try to take her away from us. But I know that transracial adoptees, if they're listening to this, they're going to hate me for saying that. But I'm just trying to be honest, that's where I was coming from. But in hindsight, damn, I wish we knew I wish it was an open adoption. I wish we had the history and the name and the photographs and the in the in the interaction. I want Ruby to know and I feel so bad that I didn't want her to know. But I didn't know anything. It wasn't like I withheld anything. I just mean, right. for selfish reasons, I thought, "Oh, this is going to make it easier for us." But no, 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 <laughs> it's mm. really not. Because from the time she was little, she knew, and of course, we, you know, don't have to tell her she's adopted. But we've always shared everything. And one yeah. more story: when we were on a family vacation in um, in Sweden, we went to Sweden and Denmark to visit some close family friends, and I think Ruby was probably four. At the time, we'd pulled over to get gas and I went in the little convenience store um, to get snacks. So this happened when I was inside the, co- inside the store, but you know, Scandinavia is a really white country <laughs> and there's very little diversity there, although more now, but apparently she said she was looking around, she was sitting in the back seat in her car seat, you know, and she told Mark, my husband and my son was in the car and apparently she just said, I don't belong to you people. You know, and she was four. Essentially, like, I'm not on this team. What the hell? She's always known. And and so we have to try to help her with that. And, and you know, and she, she blames me. She has a narrative in her head where another time we were on vacation and I thought we were having such a great day and it was just me and the kids because Mark couldn't come. We were literally, we were in Hawaii and we were having dinner and I was like, oh my God, we're here. We did it. And I'm having a glass of wine and we had a great day at the pool and the ocean and everyone was still alive and nobody had, you know, a stingray bite. I like everything was good. <laughs> and uh, we're ordering dinner and she looks at me out of the blue and she goes, I had everything I needed until you came along. And I said, wait, honey, what? Like, what happened? You know, I thought she meant something literal in that moment or at the table or like in the room before we got down to the restaurant. And I said, what, what do you mean? And she said, um, at the hospital before you took me from my birth mom. And again, she was six. And um, yeah. she is an old soul. She has a. She challenges us with her questions and her knowing, and I mean, I just she keeps me on my toes, you know. And I just, I just want to do right by her, you know. I just, gosh, I I, I want to do better. I want to do right, you know. Yeah. She deserves it. So <laughs> anyway, wow. I hope that I didn't overshare, but like.
1: Oh no! Thank you for sharing.
0: She's a force of nature, you know. I'm always in awe of her. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Of course. Wow. Wow, you know what,
2: Lisa? Thank you for being so vulnerable. I, I, these are some stories that throughout our. I don't know. We've had a chance to really dive into it in this way. So it's just we have our kids, and we think that we're supposed to be doing all the teaching, but they're really the ones that are doing the teaching. They're the ones doing. Learn the teaching.
1: it through their eyes. Learn it through you know? their so eyes.
2: So yeah. it's about learning with them, and and you know, as a blended family, a transracial blended family, you know it sounds like she's so ready to talk about race in a way that's like very, very direct, you know, trying to figure that portion of it out. um, Yeah. And
0: and, and other African-American people, um, not even necessarily close friends, but I remember this, this, this professor told me one time he was a friend of a friend and he sat me down to kind of talk about race and asked me like point blank, like, what are you teaching her? What are you sharing with her? Where are you? Like, and you know, I I had a question for him, like, well, how soon is too soon? You know, like to share some of the sad and scary and awful stories of of our country's past and and, and history. And he was like, oh, now, you know. Yeah. And she was seven at the time. And he's like, Don't, I'm like, because I've heard like maybe nine, ten. And he's like, no, now, yesterday, last year. Like, you must start. I hear I hear what you're saying. And sorry to interrupt you, but. You want to show the beauty as well,
2: right? Uh, yes.
1: There's, there's, but you also want to show the queens,
2: the, the kings, the you know the the scientists that we don't know about, the doctors that didn't make into history books, like all of that. Even like the regular parts, you know. But I, mean? I
1: also have a, a story of being five years old and playing with my older brother in a sandbox, and an old lady walking, a neighbor walking by, in Decatur, Illinois, and a, a neighbor walking by going to my brother, who was seven at the time. Why are you playing with that N word? And his response was, "Well, she—he's my brother. Uh, that's yeah. that. That's why. So, I mean, so Kate, yes, no, we raise on. with the, the power of our history, but we also have to uh, raise with the understanding of the world that we live in." Yeah.
2: So, Lisa, I just yeah. want to—I I feel like we got to do some kind of follow-up here because this absolutely is like this awesome. Yes, and you know, in Jason and I, in our own journeys of 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 what is abandonment, what is being found. What is finding our place and our identity in the world, and 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 how does history ground us in that identity? I think all of those things are are really important. And our personal sharing. history, our shared cultural history, sharing with each other, sharing, sharing
1: with uh, th- with our children, sharing our stories, learning their stories, paying attention to what they're going through while mm-hmm. we pay attention to what we're going through and each other. I mean, that's. For me, the beauty of what this storytelling element that we're all involved in—and that's the definition of what a friendship is, right? Yeah,
2: and we're happy to be like window and mirrors for your child. So, oh, I love that. <laughs> if we can be, we would love to help be be part of that that journey for her. Yeah,
0: thank you so much. I love that, and I love what you're doing here. And thanks for including me. And uh, it was a, always a pleasure to talk to you guys. We can always talk for hours, and I love that. So yes
1: cheers right back to you (laughs)
0: have a great evening yes
1: you as well
2: after all of this exploration (laughs) how are you feeling i mean we've we've heard from two moms who've adopted kids just like your mom and they've shared some of their journey and how they exist with their kids we heard from the fort news who bring kids to parents who come from a family of adopted kids Did you gain insight on your mom's reasoning for not telling you who your real birth father was or?
1: Mm. I I don't, I I don't judge her for her lie. Mm. She was a child. She was 17 when she was pregnant with me. Um, I don't. I don't necessarily. I don't feel it's my place to to uh, ask her why or why not. Why, why why the lie? Right. Like that's not my. That's not. That's not. That's not my place in this story. I feel my place in the story is to find the truth, and mm-hmm. through the journey of the story, I have found the truth. So I know I haven't gained insight into. Her reasoning for her lie, but I have attempted to understand to the best of my ability why she did lie. She was trying to protect herself from what I don't know. That's uh, you know, but I do feel like it's rooted in in that. It's a story she told herself time and time again that eventually she just accepted as the truth. Um, mm-hmm. An interesting element of adoption searches is you you have to be very open and ready for any information that you receive because it could be anything. And I remember this is literally what a counselor told me when I went to Lincoln, Nebraska to uncover my adoption stories. He said, be ready literally for anything. Your biological parents could be dead. They might not want to meet you. The best option, of course, is that they that they're together and they do want to meet you, but but be ready for that because they're going to come at you with their own stories that you might not be ready for. So, how am I feeling? Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know, and I think that's you know, as actors, we we often we do our script work right, and we we try to find what our what's my intention, director? Like what what how am I supposed to attack this scene? Right, like this is real life. So, one of the weirdest elements about this is. I don't know how, I'm, how, how I am supposed to feel. Am I supposed to be sad that she lied to me, the woman who put me up for adoption based on family dynamics, you know, 50 years ago? Am I supposed to be angry? You know, I've lived a, an incredible life. My, the, my adopted family provided me with love and support beyond my wildest imagination. My search, my truth was never, uh, was never in place to, to replace that. It was to add to that. I'm feeling good, I'm feeling grounded, I'm feeling more reassured and reminded about what family means. I I am feeling relieved in a way that I've conducted this search to the best of my ability and I've found the truth to the best of my ability. I'm saddened in a way because I will never know the hurt she suffered and all the few will never know the same about me. I'm quoting Bob Dylan here. Really, I really am. It's a wonderful lyric from uh, Idiot Wind, a great song by Dylan. And I'm, I'm, I'm also feeling proud that I stood in the middle of that and attempted to make sense of it to the best of my ability. So that's, that's how I'm feeling.
2: Jason, thank you for being vulnerable with our listeners because someone out there really needs to hear your story.
1: That's the purpose of story, right? that's the purpose of what we do as storytellers as as actors as as content creators uh, you know to share from a lens is why we're doing this right to share from a lens to help shine a light for somebody listening to understand on a deeper level his or her own truth through the stories we share
2: normally when we're looking at identity in in America in the United States of America it's it seems that we're always doing it through this idea of what your race is and what your gender is. And it really limits us. And so in terms of like, what are all the identities that are out there and all the ways that people enter into the world. And for us as two multi ethnic people to be able to be the authors of what does identity actually mean and the vast difference between all identities, uh, to be able to do that in a personal way where we each are able to talk about it and that it's, it's asking us to be human and very personal about how we relate to the world and, and, and that you bring your full self to in, into any room, not just the part that's gonna make sense for you to survive at that moment. <laughs> Folks, this was part three of our three-part series on Origins. Please be sure to listen to all three episodes. Your heart will be happy you did. Love you, babe.
1: Love you, too. Cheers.
2: This podcast is produced by the Lugger Lane Group. We would like to thank Logger Lane Spirits co-producers and writers Courtney Oliphant and Pepper Chambers Cereci, co-producer Matthew Cereci, podcast coordinator Amanda Dinsmore, sound designer David B. Marling, the Launch Guild and Toby Gadd for his original piano improvisation.
1: also like to thank Podcast Haven and our guest and friend, Lisa Cole. Remember to grab our old-fashioned recipe and show notes by going to lagrelanespirits.com. We'll see you next time. And if you love the cocktail or the episode, make sure you rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen.
2: And remember to drink responsibly.
1: Cheers, my friends.